Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at New Jersey multifamily cash flow. My guests in this episode are Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. They are the co-founders and managing principals of Red Knight Properties. Red Knight Properties is a boutique multifamily and mixed-use real estate investment company with a track record of building portfolios that deliver dependable cash flow and equity upside. By pooling their capital together, along with a select group of other investors via syndications and joint ventures, they can offer nimble capital for value-add real estate equity investments. Red Knight Properties currently has apartments and retail units under management and ownership in northern New Jersey, and they also own and manage uh, properties in Orange County, New York. Prior to forming Red Knight Properties, Anthony graduated from Cornell University with a bachelor's degree in applied economics and management, and he worked as an acquisitions and asset manager uh, in the capacity of a vice president for Vision Properties, where he was directly involved and responsible for sourcing, negotiating, and managing the acquisition of over $600 million of Class A office assets. Brian Leonard graduated from Rutgers University with a bachelor's degree from the School of Management and Labor Relations. He also played football for the Scarlet Knights, where he managed to win two national football awards in 2006, and he was later drafted by the St. Louis Rams in the second round and went on to play eight years as running back in the NFL. If you've not checked out my new podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets, you totally should. I would highly recommend it. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time, what I've learned from interviewing over 500 cash managers. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and or live streaming platform. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com and you can also stay up to date and informed of everything that's happening around Cashflow Ninja by joining our Cashflow Ninja Community Facebook page. You can just go to Facebook and type in Cashflow Ninja Community and you'll find the group. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Anthony and Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, MC. Yeah, appreciate it. 
Yeah, awesome to have you guys on. Um, can you share a little bit of just about your background and journey quickly with my listeners? Yeah, sure. I, I'll start. You want me to start, Ant? Sure, bye. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, so I'm originally from a small town upstate New York, and um, was a pretty good football player. So I ended up getting a, a scholarship to Rutgers University, and um, ended up excelling there, doing pretty well, and end up getting uh, drafted by the St. Louis Rams in the second round. And played, ended up playing eight years in the NFL, which was a, a great career and had a great time doing that. But then after my career was over, I ended up spending um, about two years home with my son, got a little little bored. I was like, I need to do something. And I've always interested in real estate and I always knew how powerful real estate was. So um, I decided to to jump into it. So I read a ton of books, uh, got educated and then um, I randomly met Anthony through a mutual friend. Um, is actually one of my old teammates and he actually works with Anthony and I went in there and um, Anthony was doing multifamily um, real estate on the side and I was very interested in that and that's what I, exactly what I was reading about. So uh, I was like, maybe next deal we can partner up on and uh, we were able to partner up on one deal and it was a killer deal and ever since then we started a company and we're doing pretty well. We're growing pretty quickly. Awesome. Awesome. How about yourself, Anthony? What's your background? Great. No, Brian just killed it right there. But um, so I graduated from uh, Cornell University in 2014 uh, with a degree in applied economics and management. Um, After that, uh, found work in the commercial real estate space, working for a uh, commercial real estate operator uh, who was focused on class A multi-tenant office buildings that had, um, you know, large companies as their tenants. And uh, we've we're buying properties, you know, up and down the East Coast, uh, primarily, um, with a heavy focus on the Southeast and also in the tri-state area. For your listeners, we're based out of uh, New Jersey, about 40 minutes west of uh, Midtown Manhattan. Um, so, you know, we're both based in that area now. Um, and, you know, since, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of start in the industry on the principal side, which, which doesn't happen way too often, got to see every facet of the business and the industry, whether it comes to, um, you know, working with contractors and valuations and lenders, investors, um, any sort of uh, partner you need in real estate, I was exposed to. And uh, as Brian said, you know, uh, we connected through a mutual friend. And, um, you know, at the time I was buying a couple of two families. I started out with a two family house. Uh, that I completely repositioned, retented it. Uh, luckily enough, still in the first year, it came out to like a 20% cash on cash. So I was seeing success on like a very small scale. And then I bought another two family like a couple months later, which I sold for like a 40 levered IRR. So, um, you know, for your listeners, um, for me to start out kind of on the side with my own capital and not have to worry about other investors until Brian and I partnered up on, unfortunately, we've been... Uh, very lucky so far with the investments we've made. Um, you know, I would I would advise of that. So that's a little bit about my background. Awesome, awesome. So you guys are based out of New Jersey. Um, what markets are you currently operating in? Uh, what's attractive of those markets, um, and why are you guys uh, looking at those specific markets? And then maybe you guys can touch on a strat. Your just your overall strategy too of what you what you guys do uh, when you find the deals that you're looking for. Um, sure. Yeah, I'll start with okay. strategy, Anthony. Um, yeah, basically our strategy is we look for uh, value-add properties. 
um, properties that are underperforming, and we look to go in there and increase the NOI um, by making some capital improvements uh, and then increasing the rents to market. And uh, on our first property ever, we actually, it was in Chester, New Jersey, and we bought it at a, I think it was at a 95,000 NOI. And uh, the rent on average were 875. We put about $20,000 of capital improvements into it, and we increased the rents to market about 1450 on average. And then we increased our NOI to about 175,000 and, uh, and you know, almost doubled the value of the property within uh, less than a year. Actually, we're stabilized about six months. And then we had to obviously wait a year for a year seizing period for a bank to refinance with us. And now we're actually of refinancing um, that property right now. Um, but that's basically what we look for in properties. Some properties that are, you know, undervalued are the main great where we can go in there and uh, lower the expenses or increase the revenue um, and increase the value of the property and refinance or sell. Awesome. And Anthony, what, what markets are you guys in? Sure. Yeah. For your listeners. So right now we have, um, about a hundred and we just got under contract another property. Uh, so about 180 units and the markets that we have are very local to us right now. So that would be another point for your listeners. I know a lot of people who are trying to start out in this business look in other markets where they've never bought in a deal before. Um, I would try to stay somewhat local for the first deal or two and really learn property management. Property management is so important and, uh, you know, how you can add value to a property. So we've been focusing on, you know, New Jersey and northern New Jersey specifically right now. Um, you know, pretty much any, we're still able to find good opportunities here. Um, you just have to have, you know, hustle and put your ear on the ground. And, um, you know, pretty much anything right now, we close on a property in Orange County, New York. So anything within like a two to three mile, I'm sorry, two to three hour driving radius at this point. Um, you know, we will eventually look to other secondary markets. Um, it's just we're having success here. So why not just continue that? So. For folks listening to this, and we've got listeners all over the world, what is going on in the New Jersey market? And maybe you could just talk about where this fits in because there's a lot of folks that live there, that work in New York City. It's one of the most highly densely populated areas in the entire United States, which I think a lot of international folks might not know about. But please do share just what you guys are seeing there, what makes that attractive. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the employment and so forth as well. Yeah, I can start that. Um, so, you know, the reason why we still find New Jersey attractive is, I, and I, I put it this way, we don't find all of New Jersey attractive. <laughs> so as you get further and further closer to the city, you know, you deal with municipalities that have heavily concentrated rent control, where you can't really add much more value to the property, even if you, you know, put in capital improvements. Some municipalities have capital improvement plans, which are complicated formulas. Um, so what we've been focusing on is west, so at least 30 miles west of Manhattan, where people still have access to mass transit, still have suburban, you know, employment opportunities um, in the respective counties. Um, there's still a massive population. Um, New Jersey's a pretty large MSA. It's considered, you know, the New York metro. Um, so where we're focusing on is areas with very, if it has rent control, then it's very limited where we're, we're investing in, but um, all the markets we've been able to find have had no rent control. Um, so we, we take that into consideration. 
Awesome. So what does a a good deal like uh, look like to you guys? If somebody's bringing a deal, is there a checklist that you guys use a framework that you draw from when you're evaluating all of the deals that you're looking at? Um, yeah, I'd say, first of all, we look at rent control. We don't like rent control uh, because we like to raise rents to market. And if it's controlled, then it's obviously much harder to do that. Um, and obviously you see the value that are undervalued, um, either with a, a higher cap rate than the area demands, um, where we can get a lower purchase price. Um, and it's basically, yeah, we just like to, to drive the value. We need, we always look to increase the value. So we're value add investors. And if it's if the property does not have any type of area where we can increase the value, whether it's, you know, put in a, an amenity for the, for the tenants, whether it's, um, you know, sure and drier, or it's going to increase our revenues or, you know, where we can, if it's an area where people pay for parking, uh, where we can, you know, you know, put that into the rents where increase our, uh, increase our rents through uh, parking. Um, but it's always looking to drive value. And um, that's exactly what we look for in properties. Anyway, we can lower the expenses or drive that value up. Awesome. And just, uh, just to piggyback on that, um, what we also look at is, you know, price per unit, um, whether, you know, it's more expensive to buy uh, at the current basis or to build. So if it's a discount to replacement cost, for your listeners, meaning, you know, what, what would it take for a new building to be constructed? If we're below that, that's usually, you know, key indicator. Um, you know, Brian touched on cap rates. Um, you know, cap rates are very subjective. It depends who you talk to. Um, but primarily what we're looking for is we want to buy something with definitely in-place cash flow to begin with so we're not underwater when we're making improvements that, you know, we have turnover. Um, so when we look at you know, where's our cap rate going to be after we put the money in to improve the building and get the rents to market, you know, where we, it's called stabilized, sometimes called yield to cost cap rate. Um, and that usually takes place in years two, three, four, depending on how about, depending upon how long your um, investment horizon is. So we look at that as well. Um, there's plenty of other metrics, you know, like we can go through all of them, but that would uh, take up way too much time. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like the quick thing that you guys look at when it's coming across your desk. Like I've got a couple of things like, boom, you know, right there, rain control. That's not something that you're going to pursue further, right? So I appreciate that. You guys talk a lot about property management and the importance of that. Maybe you can elaborate some of the strategies uh, of the forced appreciation uh, that you guys uh, get in your buildings through the, the value add? And then uh, what's the, how does it play into the, the, the strategy? Is there a refinance one, once that's achieved and what, once that's stabilized? And maybe if you guys can elaborate a little bit. Um, yeah, I'll touch a little bit on the, um, the management. So we just got a new system called Buildium. It's a, it's a great management software and it puts everything under one roof um, so we can contact our tenants. The tenants can do maintenance requests through this system. Um, we can collect rents through the system uh, and all communication goes through there. So it's, uh, it's everything under one roof and it, you know, condenses everything. So uh, it's, you know, you can pull up any information that you need. Uh, if it's an email that you sent to a tenant a, a month ago or a year ago, everything's going to be right in that place. Um, another thing we look to with management, we like to put good tenants in our, in our properties. Um, you know, we found out that if you have a bad tenants, obviously there's going to be problems. Um, you don't have to, you don't want to deal with the eviction costs, but if you screen your tenants, um, you do background checks, you know, they have, they make three times the rent uh, per month. Um, you're usually going to have a pretty solid tenant. And if you have good tenants, management's 
pretty simple. It's not too bad. You know, you get maintenance requests here and there, but overall it's uh it's a, uh, you know, once you have the systems in place and you got good tenants in your buildings, then uh, this, uh, it flows pretty well. And do you guys do all of the property management yourself in there? Is there a different firm that you're working with or a different company or is that all done in-house? Right now it's all done in-house. So I kind of took over the property management aspect of things and, uh, you know, Anthony focuses on the financing and finding deals, sorting deals, um, and dealing with um, brokers. Um, so, and also, I, I, I kind of deal with the contractors also. But yeah, our, our management is completely in house. We kind of want to build a team up uh, as we keep getting more units. Uh, you know, hire some employees and build this um, management side of the business, along with obviously uh, purchasing properties too. You're listening to the Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and cell storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities The Real Asset Investor offers, such as their ATM and cell storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Anthony, uh, maybe you could touch on the overall financing strategy. Um, of what you're looking to do once you guys have the properties, you've done some force appreciation through the value adds, increase some of the rent, stabilize it. Well, um, maybe elaborate a little bit on that. Sure. And I would say, MC, it would, probably, it would really depend upon the market conditions. I don't know if you just saw, but it looks like the Fed's going to cut rates again on Wednesday, another quarter, quarter yeah, exactly, basis yeah. points. And people are talking about a recession, but um, you know, when we, you know, evaluate the properties that we're buying, we're, you know, we're, we always price in the recession. So we, you know, um, put on it financing where we can weather the storm if it does happen. Um, so in terms of financing strategy, I would say it's for us right now, it's deal by deal specific. We don't have a fund set up where there's a specific fund life for your listeners, you know, meaning you pull a bunch of money together. Usually they have investment mandates, whether that's five, seven or 10 years. Um, or even three years. So um, when we, you know, um, you know, bring on additional investors through a syndication, typically we, you know, show a five-year uh, holding period. Um, so we've learned that a lot of people don't like the money tied up for too, too long. Um, so, you know, generally we're going in there. If we're making improvements, we'll take out what's called a bridge loan, where they'll finance, you know, your purchase price, 
uh, plus a certain amount of closing costs and a certain amount of, of capital improvements. Even though you're paying a little bit of a higher interest rate, the goal is to, you know, take that loan out with uh, another loan after the improvements are made. Theoretically, the building is, you know, more valuable, and the lender will also see that. So they'll apply a certain, you know, cap rate and give you a new loan based on that. So our goal is to, you know, get our, including we invest in the deals as well, our money and our investors' money um, out as quickly as possible, and then. Uh, you know, cash flow the property for a couple of years, or um, if it's still if it's a great time to sell, it it's all depends upon market conditions. Right, right, absolutely. What are some of the things that you guys are, um, well, some of the risks in New Jersey and in the market that you're in that that's uh, that you guys are mitigating? What are some of the the risks involved in those markets and things that you have to keep an eye on? You mentioned the interest rates, right? Which definitely, from a risk management st- standpoint. Um, if you're dealing with any debt is is big, what are some of the other things that you guys look at? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Brian kind of touched on this before, but, you know, how long would it take to, if we are raising rents that significantly, how long is it going to take to turn the unit over? How much vacancy are we going to deal with? Uh, what's our leasing strategy to, you know, uh, backfill that unit? Um, so there's always risk when you're, you're raising rents, you know, significant. even if you're raising rents only 5%, there's still you know, turn uh, risks that you have. But if you, you know, do your search and realize you're in a market with very tight vacancy to begin with, you try to mitigate that risk. You say, okay, well, if I, you know, bring them to a market rent that's below the rent of the competition, they're not really going to go anywhere. So um, we, you know, we, we look at that, um, you know, perspective. Um, obviously on the buy, we like to, you know, look at, where other properties have sold that are similar caliber. Um, so if we look at a per unit, like if we're, you know, buying something at 200 a unit and nothing in the market's ever traded before for 200 a unit, then that's a red flag. We probably wouldn't pursue that deal. Or if we would, there has to be a, a pretty good reason that we would, uh, whether it's a high, you know, cash flow going in or, or whatnot. Um, so it all comes down to doing, you know, your financial due diligence to a certain extent before you even, you know, have the property under contract and you make an offer. And you can do that through various programs. We like to use, and I'll give a shout out to uh, Michael Blanc, his uh, syndication uh, software, which I'm sure a lot of uh, your listeners know about. So, Yeah. Yeah. Michael's been on the show. So yeah, they definitely, he's got a, he's got a great calculator. Um, so you guys are raising capital, obviously from investors, and we've got a, a lot of folks out there that's either investing, doing their own deals, looking at eventually raising capital from other folks. What are some of the ways that have worked for you in building an investor database, uh, meetups, live events, friends and family? Maybe you can elaborate on, on that. And what are some of the lessons that you guys have learned in the process of putting this all together? For me, yeah, it's just uh, tapping into your network. You know, I had a great network through football, um, you know, is somewhat of a known name around this area. And I think people trusted me and respected me for you know, how I carried myself on the field. And it's all about your reputation, too. No matter if you're an NFL football player or you're just a regular guy in a regular town, you have a reputation no matter where you go. Um, so um, and I think it's important, too, like, you know, the first 30 seconds to meet somebody, that person can tell if they trust, trust you and respect you in that first 30 seconds. If they can do that, and they're going to invest with you. So um, no matter what kind of reputation you know you had in the past, when they meet you and they, they meet you in that first thirty seconds, they can tell what kind of person you are. In, in my opinion, um, 
but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been fairly easy for you to tap into my network, uh, through football. Um, you know, friends and family, um, and just the trust they have in me and the belief they have in me. And obviously when they meet Anthony, um, you know, and his intelligence and the background that he has in real estate, uh, it's pretty easy to, to grow that investor pool. Yeah. Great alternative for NFL folks to put their money in alternative asset clause, right? And create cash flow from real estate that's going to produce cash flow for you um, long after you've stopped playing. Absolutely. And it's so important. I wish more players kind of invested their money into real estate. It's sad, but 80% of players are, are broke two years after them playing um, just because they don't have the financial intelligence. Uh, and, you know, they don't have a lot of the resources um, that you think they should have. But um, it's, yeah, it's important to, to uh, diversify your portfolio. Uh, and I just realized the power of real estate over the last year. Um, and my wife still doesn't understand it. Like, how can you buy a, a a commercial property, a multifamily property, and increase the value twofold in one year. Um, it's hard to wrap your head around, but it's, it's buying the properties right. It's buying the properties below market. It's driving that NOI up and increasing the value of that property um, and lowering your expenses. And it's just hard to wrap your head around how you can increase the property by so much um, in one year. And people kind of, when they look at real estate, they look at resident, they think about residential real estate. Right. Based on the comparison rate, whatever the house next door sold to you, uh, sold next door for, from you, same square footage, same amenities, um, same amount of garages, that's what your house is probably going to sell for. That's not the case in, in commercial real estate. You know, it's based on the cap rate. Um, so, and you drive that, that uh, NOI and you have a, a lower cap rate, you can increase the value of that property. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think just in sports in general too, like you mentioned, there's a lot of them that end up broke just because they don't necessarily think ahead that this is going to end at some stage, right? Like this, what you're involved with and what's going to happen post, you know, the post career in the NFL. So yeah, a great network. Anthony, do you have anything to add to, to, and just sharing a little bit how you guys have grown uh, your list and how you've educated investors and, and built that community? Yeah, definitely. The uh, experience on, on Brian's end and, and my end definitely both help. Uh, I'd say I wouldn't take anybody's money if you've never done a deal before in any capacity. Yep. Um, you know, for a real estate company, you've done a deal. That's that's great. Um, you know, and, and that's good experience. And if the deal was executed on while you're at the company, that's great. Um, but, you know, definitely, you know, building up experience on a small scale helps um, in terms of, you know, raising capital for your listeners, um, if they're not aware, there's, you know, two different types of, um, you know, investment structure vehicles uh, you can raise as per the SEC, which is, you know, 506B and 506C. All of ours have been a 506B. And basically for your listeners, what that means is you can have up to uh, 35 non-accredited investors um, in each of your deals. Um, so, you know, when you go the 506C route, it's, it's very expensive. You have to put together a PPM up front, but you can market to the whole world. Now, we haven't you know, had the need to do that um, at this point, um, just because we have, you know, for a syndication we're closing on in November, about, you know, Brian raised half of the money and I raised half of the money. That's pretty much how it worked out, um, just because we both have a good network and, you know, we're able to, to do that. Um, but I would encourage your listeners to start out raising from friends and family um, you know, and getting people like Brian said to trust you and 
understand your character and um, show that, you know, you, you have somewhat of a track record and, um, you know, anticipate, you know, um, achieving the same as, you know, for their investment and, and for your investment as well. And, um, you know, if you can invest your own money in the deal as well, even if it's not a lot, it still speaks volumes to investors because I know a lot of groups that don't invest money in their deals. They just charge fees and that's, that's it. So, um, that's definitely, uh, something that I've seen. Um, so yeah. You definitely want to invest with someone that has some skin in the game and usually uh, quite a bit because they'll make that work, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Um, obviously I'd say it's hard work. You need hard work to be great at anything. Um, dedication. You got to be dedicated to what you do. You got to love what you do. You got to be passionate about what you do. Um, that's for anything, whether it's a sport you're playing, football, your job, you got to have passion behind it. You got to have a, a reason why, a reason why you're doing it. Um, and you got to have to work hard at it. Um, and I'd say another one is, uh, sacrifice. To be great at something, you have to sacrifice a lot of things, uh, whether it's your time, um, whether it's time away from your family, um, whether it's your time, your social life. If you want to be great at something, you gotta, you're going to have to sacrifice. And I tell, you know, when I, I do a football camp every, every year in upstate New York, and that's what I, I tell the guys. It's, it's all about sacrificing and working hard. Um, and that's the only way to really achieve success, in my opinion. You know, it's, it's not easy. Success is not easy in anything you do. Uh, if it was easy, everyone would be successful, but uh, it's not. So you you got to sacrifice. You got to work hard, and um, those are those are those would be mine. Yeah, I, I, can, I can even echo that. I mean, you know, taking risks is definitely number one. Um, don't be afraid to get outside your comfort zone. Um, I was stuck with that for that principle for a while, and as soon as I did, uh, my life has completely changed. Um, definitely, um, what Brian said, passion is is very important. But if you don't like what you do, it's, you know, you're going to, you want to be happy with whatever you're doing, um, you know, in life, whether that's professionally or in any capacity. And, um, you know, the last one I I would say is just, you know, the ability to never give up, even if times are are tough, um, you know, to sort of look at what the longer picture is, um, you know, and what your goal is that you're trying to achieve. It might take a little longer than you expect, and you have to be okay with that. So, um, those are mine. Absolutely. Awesome, guys. Where can listeners learn more about you? Where can they learn more about what you guys do, all of your projects, and where can they stay informed of all of the future projects that you guys are involved in? Sure. So, you can check our check out our website, um, www.rednight, and that's Red Knight with a K, after Scarlet Knight, uh, properties.com. And uh, we'll be posting, you know, updates on podcasts like with people like yourself, MC, and, um, you know, potential opportunities. And feel free to contact us and set up a call if you're, you know, just want to chat and uh, we're happy to do it. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for connecting and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with all of my listeners and providing so much value. Had a blast connecting with you guys and, and having you on. Thank you, MC. Appreciate it.
Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.